911, what's the nature of your emergency? Welcome to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. And I'm your co-host, Clint Walton. Today, Clint and I are very excited because we are not alone, and we are joined by a guest by the name of Jory Hersher. Jory, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good, too. Thank you. Good. Jory and I have had some very early morning conversations over the past few days, and I've been really honored to get to know a little bit about you, your story, and your background, and that's why I asked you to be a guest on our show And as you listen to this, a little bit about his history. He is a former police officer, a current practicing attorney. He's also a PTSD survivor and now currently a trauma-informed life coach. And Rory, if it's okay with you, I'm wondering if you could just take the listener through a little bit about the incredibly impactful story that you've shared with me as it pertains to where your journey first started. Sure. So... I, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. This is great. Um, I, I always love talking to uh, fellow warriors and people who are interested in, in helping other first responders. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, so I, I became a police officer um, in 2006. Um, in, my, in my first short stint in law enforcement, I, I was course patrol. I did uh, some downtown bike uh, patrolling, which was a lot of fun. We get made fun of for the shorts, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I was also a narcotics detective. And after about four years into law enforcement, I started to notice this kind of what I call the hole in my life. There was something missing. There was something that was pushing me to, to look outside of what I was doing. And, and it was kind of, it was honestly, it was destroying my family. And so, and I thought it was law enforcement. And so I applied to law school and attended law school. And that hole didn't go away. It just kept growing. And after about 10 years, about 10 years after I started law enforcement, I um, had the opportunity to apply to a, a JAG program, uh, the Air Force JAG program. And I got in and called my wife to let her know how excited I was that I was about to get into this, uh, this the, into the Air Force and be um, a service member. And we got into a, in a fight, an argument, and it led to us. Um, deciding to go to marital counseling and we went to marital counseling and I was diagnosed with PTSD and that ended my, my military career before it started. So that was, it was awesome because I now had a name. I used to call myself a dragon before I knew what it was because I felt like a dragon in that I was super interesting to people. People wanted to hear my stories. They wanted to hear my experiences, but then I always also felt like I didn't want to get too close because dragons are very dangerous. So, mm. um, I found out that the dragon in me was actually PTSD and that was kind of a relief. But at the same time, I started to understand that I had a mental illness and that was devastating to me. You know, anyone in the, in the first responder community understands really the death sentence that that feels like for our careers. And um, anyway, so I went to a counselor and started getting help for the PTSD. Um, After about a year of counseling work, Um, I one day was on my way home from work and it was right after Hurricane Harvey swept through South Texas and um, it's kind of dark outside and cloudy. So I'm sure that helped kind of numb the mood. I was kind of in a depressive state and just made this calm, 
cool collective decision, this very pragmatic idea that I was going to end my life and that my wife would be better off without me and uh, my kids would be better off without me and that I really wasn't, you know, adding to this world. And I saw an 18 wheeler start to approach and I decided that if I were to, you know, all of a sudden get drowsy and, and cross that center line, I knew where to hit that trailer so that it, you know, wasn't going to come back. I, I had investigated enough wrecks that I knew how, when, and you know, where, and as the, as the truck was approaching, I had this distinct thought come into my head that I wasn't setting it up right. And this was going to be ruled a suicide and my wife wasn't going to get the insurance money. And so again, it was another pragmatic decision, but I backed out and thank God for that. I'm, I'm pretty happy to report I backed out of that. Um, but I, I, I said out loud, I think for the first time, I just tried to kill myself. And when you do that, I've, I've since learned that you take these thoughts from the, the dark recesses of your mind, and all of a sudden, your prefrontal cortex hears it and goes, what the hell? You know, it, just, it was this. You can this say what the fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, am I going to bleep that out? Um, it, it was a moment of just, seriously, what am I doing? You know, and, and I decided I needed to go get help. So I, I got home. It was late that night. So I got home and didn't sleep at all that night. I pretended like I was asleep, but did a lot of playing on my phone. And um, I was afraid to close my eyes because I, I was honestly afraid of what was going to happen with my eyes shut. And I, the next morning, I just sat in my car, dressed for work, just pouring sweat. It was freezing cold outside. As soon as the uh, office opened at the local psychiatry office, I made a phone call and, and I said, I, I need to make an appointment. And, and she said, well, our, our closest appointment was, I can't remember when it was. It was like three weeks from that point. And I just said, um, ma'am, I'm not going to be here in three weeks. And she said, oh, look at that. We've got an appointment open tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And so I made it in and was uh, medically diagnosed with uh, CPTSD, complex PTSD, and um, got some medication on board, which I've got kind of a split feeling about, but um, it was it, it was helpful at the time. And well, anyway, I'll get to that later, but I had a split feeling about it, but it made me feel so much better um, being able to clear my head. All I can say is a fog lifted from my head and um, anyway, it was, it was a good thing. About a year later, I, I'm a public speaker. I speak nationwide um, on, a very, on various topics. But about a year later, I was speaking in Florida, and it was the first time I had publicly spoken about my suicide attempt. And um, I'd also been in an argument with my wife, which wasn't uncommon at that time um, as a result of the PTSD, which we can talk about. But uh, it, it put me in a funk again. It put me in a bad place. And um, I started to have suicidal ideations again. And I just said, this, I can't, this, I can't do this anymore. Like this can't happen. We, and I honestly, my reaction was we live in the United States of America, <laughs> like the, the best place on the planet, the, the best medical, everything on the planet. And we can't keep people from thinking about taking their own lives. And I was pretty pissed about it. So I started to do more searching and, and I, I found life coaching, um, which truthfully, honestly, um, saved my life you know it um, changed everything and it makes you feel 
made me feel pretty weak that I was going to a life coach <laughs> um, to get advice. But I, I learned about meditation and I learned about self-care and I learned about exercise and I learned about what PTSD physiologically does to your brain and how it actually changes our thought process and how it changes our emotional process. And um, it was just, it was just fascinating to me. And going through that process, I figured out, and there's a lot of help for a lot of people out there, but not my kind of people, you know, that it, I didn't feel like it fit me. It didn't fit my world. And so being this know-it-all attorney, I thought, well, heck, I can, I can write my own program. And, and I did that. I wrote my own program and it was a, it was a napkin scratch paper program. It was pretty ugly. But at the end of the program, I was free from physical symptoms of PTSD after only three days. And I thought, man, this is, first of all, I thought that's a fluke. I'm, I'm lying. I'm faking it. <laughs> you know, this can't happen. And so I started sharing it with other people and, I, I was able to help a Marine that after seven days, he was doing great. And I've helped, um, you know, people have had trauma with immigration and people with trauma with, um, you know, assaults and sexual abuse and verbal abuse and spiritual abuse and all sorts of stuff now. And, and it's, it's just been so freeing to me to be able to help people. And so I specialize now in first responders, military, and then people with uh, spiritual abuse as children. And it, it's, it, it, it become evangelical about it. So as you can tell, I can, I can talk and never shut up about this topic. So but that, that in a nutshell of, is it. that's our favorite kind of guest. <laughs> wow. So. You just shared some really deep pieces and, and I really, I really honor and value you for doing that and in being respectful of the time constraint for you. And in this episode, I, I know that we agreed for you to come back on to the show for another one. But I do have one question for you, and this is something you did not speak about during this episode, but you did talk to me about it in private, and it was really impactful for me because what you said was that when you were at that point in your life, on that road, that gloomy day, you told me that when I was suicidal, it was a business decision. What did you mean by that? Right. So in my experience and now talking with suicide survivors, there's really two kinds of suicide attempt. There's the kind that is emotionally driven. Um, there's usually a lot of tears. There's, there's sadness, there's depression. And this kind of suicide in my experience has been, it's, it's a kind that where the person's not sure they're, they're not happy. There's something wrong. They are considering suicide, but they're really just desperate and they could really use some help. And those are the ones that you can typically, um, you know, get help for and, and stop them um, before they do something terrible. Not always. And I'm not, I'm, I know I'm generalizing here, but that's kind of generally what happens for a lot of other people and, and where it was for me. Um, yes, I was in a state of depression, but it wasn't a sadness thing. It wasn't a, um, I'm no good for this world. Woe is me kind of a sad. It was it was a business decision in that I weighed out the alternatives. And in my mind, because of where I was, because of the, um, and I don't know if I don't want to get too sciencey, but because of the stress hormones, the, the um, adrenaline and the cortisol in my brain, because it was, that was so heavily, uh, I don't know, pumping through my system. It was just a two plus two is four. 
mm-hmm. you know, I, my, my, uh, my wife needs a different husband. My children need a different father. Um, my work is not, is not being beneficial enough to others for me to stay here. And it just, I just made the decision that taking me out of the equation just made it that much better for everybody else. And so that's what I meant by a business decision. It was just a very calm, collected, pragmatic decision. Hmm. And I know that that's a message that so many people that might be listening to this might be silently feeling themselves. So I really appreciate you opening up and sharing that. And I know that you're coming on in a few days to to share with us another episode really about how you were able to take what you learned and turn it into something so inspiring and so beautiful and to ultimately learn how to live your best life while impacting the lives of so many others. So I thank you so much for sharing this time and space with us. And I look yeah. forward to having you come on for another episode. Yeah, thank you both. It was great being here. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Bye.